Hello and welcome to episode one of the Highline podcast. This week at Bells Beach, we talk about victory at sea with John John Florence being the one to come out on top. Take you through all the action throughout the week. A crazy Friday afternoon with caddies throwing boards down the stairs, big shories and plenty of broken boards. We'll talk about other performances over the week, such as what happened to Julian Wilson and Jordy Smith's quiver. The women's event that ran at the same time, Courtney Connellog, her 10-point ride and her performances throughout the event. We'll also run through the new format that the WSL has implemented, as well as going through any of the previous QS action, Jadson Andre being the unsung warrior of the QS. We'll run through any industry news, talk about Jack Robinson and Sea Tiger. Welcome to the Highline. I'm here with uh, Luke O.K. How are you, Luke? Hola. Very good. Thank you. That's good to hear. And we're also here with Nick Clifford. Hello. Nick, how did you go betting on the event? Terribly. Terribly? Okay. Had about two winners the entire event. There was a couple of good upsets. Very nice. Um, So, of course, we are going to cover the Rip Curl Bells Beach event that just finished a matter of hours ago with uh, the main winner being John John Florence over Philippe Toledo in the final. I think it was a a fairly easy win for John John. Could you say that coming, Nick? From the very start, I think he was probably the best sort of surfer. He's posting totals like 17, 18-point totals from the round of 32. Honestly, couldn't see him losing from the get-go. He definitely had the most on-point since Margaret River type surfing I've seen. Definitely the best surfer there. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it was it was so impressive. Um, I think the, the type of scores he was posting, especially on the bigger afternoon, on Friday afternoon, I almost felt like, I won't say that he was being underscored, but in comparison, I think a lot of other surfers were almost being overscored. Like, I, I don't know how you felt about it, Luke, but did, did you see anyone else coming close? I mean, Gabby was there, but who else did you see that was anywhere near him? Yeah, Gabby and Gabby. <laughs> Arkell surf really good. Yep. Don't know how he would have gone against Juan Juan. But yeah, I think whoever won that Gabby John John quarter was going to win the event. It yeah. was kind of that easy to see. Yeah. But yeah, the wave suited backhand riding. But John John, just next level. He knows how to knife those turns in those weird bells sections that suit backhand Rios. Yeah, he just gets it done. It was like um, he'd pretty much take off on on any wave, and he knew he had the end section at the end just by belting that end section. If he was going to ride out of it, he's getting at least a seven. Mm-hmm. Anything he can do before then is is pretty much a bonus. I was um, I was pretty bummed when Ryan went out in the semi to to Philippe. I think if he had that second wave, at least another wave at the end, I reckon he he would have been able to get the score. His surfing was looking really good. Like I think. You had John John. John John and Gabby were definitely the, the two standouts. I think it would have been a bit of an injustice if one of those guys didn't win. But then in that bracket just below them, you had probably, I would say, Ryan, just for how much power he, he was putting out there and maybe also Owen, which it proves like there's definitely a, a, a lot of good goofy footers that, that were really throwing a lot of power in at a wave that you would more expect natural footers to be doing those big open calves in. Again, you look at Jacob Wilcox. I think it's that that brand of backhand surfing that really really shone. I think out out the bowl, and we'll get onto conditions in a bit because that was obviously the the main sort of highlight of the event for a lot of people. But just going to yeah, the goofy versus regular. Nick, you're a goofy footer. For me, I don't see bells as being that fun a wave to surf on your backhand. What do you reckon those guys love about it? Yeah, I think it comes with a lot of power though. I just want to put a special mention to Owen Wright. I reckon he was the other guy that sort of stepped up. Any other heat of the day, he probably would have got every other surfer on Friday, but just couldn't match John John's wave selection or or surfing. But that wave kind of really lent guys that had a big open swoop and then a and then that nice big stab at the end. You really saw Jacob Wilcox again, Owen Wright, Gabby Medina. Those guys just have that big explosive whip, throws the big spray. 
that sort of shock factor. I reckon I would have got about a two out there the whole day. It looked so hard to surf. It just goes to show how good jet ski assist is and that overlapping heats just made for so much better viewership, yep. especially to myself. I, I couldn't really see any downtime out there. Yeah. It was awesome to watch. Yeah, it was, it was great. Like we saw, um, like you said, it would be hard to, to think you could paddle out and get more than a two. I think it was Leonardo came in from his heat and he just had like a, I think he had a seven and a, and a mid four or a five. And, and he came in and he said, I, I would challenge anybody to go out there in a heat and try and surf those waves well. Like it's, it's hard. And I think that puts even more credit to, to John John taking the win and, you know, those other guys that looked impressive out there. But, I mean, the waves are wild. Let's move on to the conditions. Friday afternoon. I, I've never been a big fan of the Bells comp. I don't know why. I think I've always seen it as that sort of slopey wave. You, you get some pretty predictable surfing. Friday afternoon was anything but. <laughs> for you, Luke, like what, what was that afternoon like watching for you? That was skids. It made fun seeing massive 12-footers come through, steamroll everybody, carnage on the rocks, boards breaking left, right and centre. Doubling back, I think Owen's surfing, that was the best he has looked in a long time. Mm. He had such good flow. He didn't get the best waves, but when he got a decent wave, those bottom turns where he's just holding off the bottom for as long as he can and just placing it as soon as the section allows, that was incredible. So that was good to see him get a bit more form back. That was Owen of old. That was really impressive yeah yeah you say owen of old like uh, you see you've seen glimpses of it over the you know the last 12 months like you said he i think he's definitely reached that point where he's becoming a contender again i think he yeah. just got unlucky to run into john john so early in the event exactly um, yeah he looked like a contender he's gonna run for a title that kind of surfing yeah th- that definitely is we'll, we'll move on to rankings and that a little bit later and i mean after two events who we think is uh in in a decent spot but conditions like that means there's going to be broken boards there was definitely a lot of pretty uh humorous events with guys needing backup boards and there's no one on the beach is it because there was no beach there or what was going on who doesn't bring wax to the beach with their backup board that's <laughs> it's a valid question like uh you, you're yeah. about to paddle out like you know 10 12 foot bells you, there's a good chance you're going to break a board especially if you're you're a pro and you're glassing your boards light you got to have those plan Bs in action. Yeah, we speak of Owen being a contender, but that was absolute rookie behavior. Yeah. Not having a spare board waxed and ready to go when it's 12 foot and you're seeing guys break boards in the heats before you. Why wasn't your board ready? Yeah. Just <laughs> mind-blowing, baffling. <laughs> it is. It was incredible, though, seeing him, you know, get the wax that wasn't the right wax and just almost have a full-blown meltdown. I, I think that's a bit of a nightmare just having having that happen to you. You've got these heat plans that you, you try and think about before you surf a heat and then, you know, that happens and the one of the things you can control in a heat is, you know, have a spare board on the beach and <laughs> be prepared. It's wild. I think it honestly probably cost him the heat. He wasted probably five, ten minutes just waxing, re-waxing, finding wax. Just the mental side of things, I think after that, that was when he really struggled to get back into the heat and, and find those good scores again, you know. And then we saw Jeremy as well do the same thing. It's like the guys weren't learning. Yeah, I know. Well, that was the thing. I, there was an hour and a half period and it spanned over pretty much Idolo's heat uh, with Kanoa in the afternoon where, uh, not not canoa sorry um with jeremy it was that that heat where jeremy lost the board italo lost a couple boards and it was just chaos it was an hour and a half where it was it was pure entertainment for the people that were viewing it for a surfer that is earning your money don't you think yeah is that the coach's role not really hey you wouldn't expect micro to have your board waxed for you well we talked about it earlier was it the kids on the beach that were that were in charge? I know how they ha- they like to have the local kids bringing boards down. Do you need to word your kid up beforehand? <laughs> like you're not going to give you, the kid that's carrying your board a spray for not bringing it down on time. Like I suppose you do, and you have yourself to blame. Yeah, well, his board wasn't even waxed. You can't expect the kid to do that. No, that's it. Especially yeah, at that level, that's no. these are the the best guys in the world. There's not that much you know margin for error, and. You've seen it a little bit in the past with caddies, but I think that was almost one of the most monumental 
yeah. just absolute carnage afternoons for, for you know yeah, broken in terms boards of, in terms of carnage that was such a spectacular afternoon yeah jet skis getting flipped yeah yeah low getting dragged behind the rocks yeah yeah Far out. i mean jet Had skis getting flipped on on any other day like a surfer fall off a jet ski and that's always going to be the talking point and yesterday what it didn't even factor in there was so much going on nick do you reckon that was one of the i suppose you talk about danger when it comes to to these surfers like do you think that was one of the most dangerous conditions we've seen surfers paddle out in for a professional event in recent history uh yeah i mean there was that one heat or two heats at cloud break a few years ago where it was pretty big and then i mean not on the same scale but the 2017 margie's comp that was huge as well i think again i don't know about dangerous i mean this like we were saying this is the guy they're all it's their professionals it's their job they need to be prepared but again i think it went to show the guys that are cutting the mustard in this sort of surf we talked about canoa just briefly but again it went to show that he just can't match it with those guys yet in the above six foot range Mm. even geordie looked a little bit lost on his boards maybe but there was a real clear cut i don't know about dangerous but it was a clear difference in how well people were surfing and and how people were handling those just wild conditions but that's what you should be able to handle that's what takes a world champion and that'll be probably the heat or couple of heats of the year that i'll be the most interested in for sure yeah for sure like you can't see it getting much more interesting that on the topic of geordie smith he kind of coasted until you know the quarters this morning i I don't know if he looked awkward or if he was just trying to get through heats or there was something a little bit off about his surfing in those bigger waves i don't know if he had the right equipment or what it was he was safety stancing a lot yeah he made it known that he sent his boards over to margaret's and he was borrowing yeah right his his caddy's boards on on the beach and it might have just been you know not being used to those boards or yeah you would expect his rail work to suit those big open walls yeah we've seen it before though i think i think geordie's his most lethal when it's you know four foot like J Bay at four, four foot, four to six foot, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, the the year that he won at Bell's, that was in that size range that really, really suits him. But he did prove himself in Hawaii last season. You'd expect him to, yeah, like it's fat twelve foot. It's not heaving twelve foot. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, just to see that transition from the Friday into the Saturday, and he he opened up pretty solid. He had a, a over fifteen point heat total in his quarter. And the same in his semi, which he ended up losing to John John in. Once he started getting going, he really started sort of getting some good heat totals. That heat against John John, I got that feeling after that first exchange that Geordie was kind of hitting a bit of flow and could have been the one guy to take John John down. Do you reckon he'll look at that as a bit of an opportunity missed? He put his foot down today. Uh, there was two or three ways where he, he looked like the old Geordie of a few years ago. I still reckon multiple shapers is really tough i think you really need to be working with one maximum two guys i think he gets lost or breaks a good board and then doesn't have that really good backup board at the moment but he he looked like he was going to take it to john john i think john got pretty lucky in the fact that he just jumped off the ski into his biggest wave total i think that was pretty lucky on that behalf yeah that that definitely helped john john out that just being in the right place at the right time but i think geordie almost almost missed it a bit in that heat It'll be good to see them come up against each other at Karamas, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. Geordie and, and John John out a wave like Karamas where you know it's going to be in that wave size that's going to suit them both and they're probably more evenly matched. I think that'll be intriguing. Along with, I think, the John John Gabe mm. um, matchup is good and Philippe's in that conversation as well. It's a very open title this year. Someone which I would expect to be more in the race at the moment ended up losing very early on that's julian wilson what happened nick mentally where is that guy at i don't understand how he keeps making real simple errors each and every time he's just got to catch the waves and surf as if he's having a free surf we all know he's surfing's there he's probably one of the best surfers to come out of australia in the last i mean since the mick parko era he just always seems to get in his own head and then crumble down he didn't need a big score either did he no, I mean, he, he ended up losing to Slater and we'll go on to Slater in just a second. But what do you think it is, Luke? Like with, with Julian, when it comes to those basic mistakes that he, he keeps making, it seems like 
it's the same mistake. Yeah. He either waits too long for a nugget that's just never coming or he's just scratching too early for, for small ones and getting out of rhythm. I think he's trying to do the Gabby thing of owning the first bomb that comes through. And if the bomb doesn't look like what it is in his head, he just lets it go. Yeah. And the other guy is like, oh, this is a good wave. Yeah. Like if it's a good wave and it's standing up, have a swing. Yeah. Like any pro surfer in a heat, you, you got to build your scores from somewhere. You can't be picky when you need to start building scores. I think that's where he gets stuck and then he gets to a certain point in the heat where he he knows he's waiting for something and he's, I don't think it's ever going to come, but the longer you leave it, the harder it becomes to, yeah. to get back in that heat. And then I think at that point, you're just, you've got no chance. Mm. Yeah. I like it if he starts early and just gets a mid-range builder, gets some confidence and then builds from there. Yeah. If he thinks he has to get a 10 first wave, it either happens or it doesn't. It's not even 50-50. It's more like 70-30 in terms of him blowing it. What events do you think you'll look to to come back from these results? Like we, You would pick Snapper and Bells as being very strong events for him and at least for getting a good start to the year. How do you come back from such a rough start? You, you don't get that many throwaways. I just think that he needs to just yeah, trust his surfing a little bit more. He can't blow it, but I don't think the judges really care for any sort of safety surfing anymore. I, th- I think sometimes Julian just gets in his head and just tries to get a mid-range score and not safety surfs it, but you can tell he's holding back on those first couple of turns and then all of a sudden... He gets a four and he's disappointed with a four and just sort of just goes downhill from there almost. Are you seeing that as well or is is that just me? No, I think I think you bang on there. And to to be losing the Kelly with you know an eleven point eight four total, it shows a lot. We'll move on to, to Kelly now because I know how much talking about Julian stinking it up in heats just burns you inside, Luke. <laughs> He's he's my favorite surfer. You want him to just absolutely smash it. You know he has the skill to match it with John John and Gabby. <laughs> yeah. It's just not there. We'll, we'll is leave it? it there. Yeah. So But yeah, Kelly. Kelly, round one, ten point six three total, scrapes through that one over the wild card. Xavier Huxtable, that gets him out of that first elimination round, which is good because you saw how he went on the Gold Coast. Round two is where he beat Julian, 11.84 total. Round of 16, uh, 10.8 total over Pedersen Crisanto. And then losing to Ryan Callanan with a 5.67 total. He didn't get it going at all in the event. He got really lucky with his draw. Got really Up lucky with his draw. Yeah. And, and Arkell was one of the form guys we were backing. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Ryan only had a, a 12.67 total in that quarter, which wasn't his best total. But no. uh, he looked, I think from the moment they rode those first waves, you could see that it was going to be Ryan's heat there. Yeah, absolutely. You see glimpses of Kelly with like one or two turns that absolutely belt it. And you're like, oh, he's turning on. And then all of a sudden he's just essing his way to the beach and you're like when's he gonna hit it yeah it's weird it's his maiden lap of the world and you want to see him crush it and he's also holding back is that the the pots mentality of safety surfing your way through a heat and (laughs) building when necessary or what is that i i don't know i feel like he's making more i'll say he's you know outthinking himself again but i think he's making some simple mistakes that you never would have seen him make in the past i think even when it comes to wave selection you saw in that heat against Ryan, Kelly was taking off on those little fat runners and the wave behind the one that Ryan was on were the bombs. Like That's it, not something you're used to seeing Kelly do. He's always been the type of guy, if he needs that wave to at least come in a, in a competition, he's going to get it to come through. He's going to be on that wave of the heat. He just doesn't seem to be in that rhythm anymore. I think Father Time's catching up to him. It finally looks like he's 47 years old. He's had... 12 months off more than 12 months off with his foot he hasn't surfed a lot of heats and i just think it might be showing a little bit in his surfing as much as i want kelly to win another world title i just cannot see his surfing getting there every heat that he surfed even on in manly he looks sharp but he just looks like he gets lost mid heat or gets lost at a certain point in the heat and just can't find that rhythm where you just see those classic calves and swoops that Kelly's got. My, I, I think my favorite bit of Kelly this whole comp was when he was, started waxing up that Simon and everyone was like, finally, 
He's getting off the epoxies and back onto something normal, and then he just catfished everyone and paddled back out on his his firewire quad, and it didn't look like it did the job either. Swapped over, and then everyone was pumped to see him do well in the Simon, and that added nothing to his heats either. Look, we talked about equipment earlier with with Geordie going over the equipment change. Do you think Kelly almost having too many shapers available to him almost confuses him too much with what to ride or possibly should he just go back to the Merricks and and start winning titles again should definitely go back to the Merricks. <laughs> I, I can see why he's putting his business interest ahead of you know a board that might be feeling good like at the end of the day you, you want to make money off a startup that you've invested in but i think everyone especially on this final year it'd be good to see him go back to his his roots almost mm. and and go back to those old boards that he's ripping on i think nick hit it he's just out of rhythm and that was always kelly's secret weapon he always had this infinity with the ocean wherever he paddled a bomb would just pop up and he'd be ready to go we haven't seen that in the last few months from kelly he's out there getting lost at sea and way out of rhythm with the sets taking off on the medium ones and not playing to his strengths it's weird that he doesn't have that rhythm it's like he was a sea wizard and could just conjure up whatever he wanted doesn't seem to be there but how stoked would Credo and the Rage Boys be that that grip was on his board? <laughs> that was where did he get that grip from? I want to know where, whose board that was. There was not enough backstory behind that. Yeah, wasn't it? He's one of his mates from Torquay that he's been sort of caddying for a little bit. He didn't have any boards, so he borrowed that one. Okay, had a Rage Pad on, and that's who apparently he rides for. As the <laughs> wizard goes, I think Slater Designs look unreal when it's four foot and under you know with the tomo thing and and all those sort of designs we saw stewie kennedy a few years ago blowing up i think they look really good but the classic epoxy curse sort of got him i think maybe i know the firewire is a little bit heavier but it was bumpy and lumpy out there and i think that could have been a little bit of his problem as well the just the epoxy chatter might have got him might have got him out of a little bit of a bit of rhythm as well yeah, I know a lot of people get down on seeing Kelly lose and especially it, with it being his final year. It, it's not like watching Muhammad Ali sitting at the Olympics in a wheelchair just yet. He's he's still surfing really well. It's just oh, that comparison yeah. to what you, you expect from him, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like Nick said, he looked like a 47-year-old. <laughs> uh, that's what he is. You've got to get there he eventually. He is 47, yeah. but he still looks great. Like he's an athlete at 47. Yeah. The epoxy thing. Yeah. Epoxy in 10 foot surf. Not, <laughs> not the go, is it? Not the go. No. For four foot and under. Nick and I were talking about it this afternoon. They don't go good in six foot barrels or anything over five foot. Small wave board only. Yeah. Again, yeah. It, these are the best in the world and they're, they're making what a lot of people see as simple mistakes. Um, and again, going on to that, uh, the equipment theme. Equipment changes in the new year. You've seen a few guys sort of jumping ship, trying a few different things. Who do you reckon it's worked well for, Nick? And like we've already talked about a few guys who are struggling. Who do you think it's worked well for? Kanoa Igarashi. He went from Merrick to Sharpie just before J-Bay last year. And I think that's the best I've seen him surf. That was the first event that I went, holy shit, he is ripping. Given his performance wasn't great at Bells, but it was huge and he didn't look that comfortable. But... To me, that's been a really smart decision for him. And I think Owen going from JS to DHD didn't look like a great decision until this event where he finally sort of looked like he got some rhythm. They're the two guys that stand out to me that have been the smartest for changing boards. Yeah, I I, I would have said before the event, Freestone going to Parzell was, was a, a good idea. I think he still looks really good on the boards. I, I've seen a couple of clips of him absolutely blowing up on them. But at the end of the day your boards are there to make you money and, and you've got your guys who have made that change who are actually starting to, to get some results. And I think that's that's what you want to look at as, as the payoff. If it's getting you more money, then then it's going to be worth it. So like I said, I mean, Geordie, for all the struggle he's had with his equipment, I won't say struggle, but the, the bit of confusion it looks like he has with boards under his feet, still made the semis. No matter how good you are, it, sometimes it takes one or two turns just to work back into a new board or especially going from shaper to shaper i'm not too sure if that stab in the dark that geordie did sort of got in his head a little bit too much and he decided right time to jump ship but he did come second on the world on a on a Merrick right before he swapped over so it'd be interesting to 
talk to him and see why he decided to move on and and find some sort of freedom in his boards. Yeah, definitely. It'll it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Currently looking at the the leaderboard. I refuse to say the Jeep leaderboard. <laughs> John John on top, a first and a third. That's a pretty incredible start for John John. After having so much time off, he's surfing is looking incredible, especially in those those media waves. But even at D Byron when it was smaller, would you say I mean, it's it's early to talk about titles and that, but the top five, it's John John, Italo, Jordi, Philippe, Gabby. Are they going to be your top five at the end of the year? What do you reckon, Luke? Yeah, they're the form guys. I, I can't see, like, who, nobody else has really come out of the gate swinging like that, have they? It's going to take a lot for Julian to come back into this race. He's going to need to win two in a row right now. Yeah, two seventeenths, first two events, not a good start for Jules. Yeah, there is two throwaways. What's he going to do? He's going to have to get real consistent real quick and put some wins on the board. Karamas suits his surfing. And I can't remember what he's like at Marks. Jules? Yeah, good if it goes to the box, I guess. But He's been good out main break. He's had some, some decent showings out there. So there's definitely a path back for him. But when you look at going from two seventeenths, and John John's had a first and a third, Italo a first and a fifth, Geordie's had two thirds, Philippe a ninth and a, and a second, and Gabby having two fifths. These guys are already looking pretty consistent. It's, Spicy. It's, he's, he's a long way behind already, but we'll obviously keep track as the year goes on. Where is Arkell and Owen sitting in that mix? Uh, Ryan's currently sitting in ninth, had, a, had that 17th on the Goldie, and he had that third. Mm-hmm. And then Owen's one below him in 10th pair of ninths. So... I think there's a few a few guys that are sitting up there already. Like like we said, it's it's early to be talking about. Seth Maniz in seventh. Massive, massive um I suppose I'd love to give him a handshake for that attempt on the Bell Shorey on Friday afternoon. That was insane. Those are the type of things you kinda gotta do early on in your career to get your name on the tour. But he's sitting in, in equal seventh with Connor Coffin, so I mean good start for him. We said earlier with Ryan making the semis, that's kind of what you want to see those underdog guys doing that need those results to requalify. Like I said, early on, but definitely some moves to be made over the next couple of events as they are all very close together. The other person you got to think about, I'd say that all the two guys I'm, I'm liking this year is um, Kanoa Yurashi, I reckon, will make a little comeback. It's not going to be 100 foot for every event, and he's really good in small waves. So I think he's going to be someone to come into the top 10, maybe make a jump in for top five. And Connor Coffin, he looks another level this year. To me, that crazy layback thing that he did at D-Bar, that was ridiculous. Mm. He didn't really get rewarded for it, but that's the type of vertical surfing, I think. If he can put that into J-Bay or somewhere with that long open wall and that nice big hook he has, I reckon he's going to be danger, man. Definitely. Looking way, way ahead to the Olympics... Kanoa Igarashi for Japan, along with someone like Hiroto Ohara, is going to be a deadly combo, especially in small waves. One-footers, those two guys, going to be pretty hard to beat. 100%. Moving on to, there was obviously a women's component of uh, the Rip Curl Pro down at Bells. Courtney Conlog taking that one out. In a final where she had uh, 10 and a 5.83, Malia Manuel had 14.84 total, surfed a Strong event, you know, getting all the way to the final for Malia. I think the major talking point here is Courtney's 10 in the final. What did you make of it, Luke? Yeah, I don't know. It was a sick wave. Can't take away from that. But Malia came out swinging, looking spicy. And then as soon as that 10 got called out, it's like it just got in her head and rattled her. I don't know. It was a big wave, three massive turns. Yeah, committing to that end section is one thing that... You saw get a lot of a lot of points, especially throughout the men's draw. I think that the bulk of the points in that ten did come from that final turn. What are your What are your thoughts on it, Nick? That first turn was pretty big. That was a huge carve on on a really big wave. That was one of the biggest waves of the morning. I just think the judges kind of backed themselves a little bit in a corner. Like Luke said, Malia was ripping. She could have got bigger scores than what she did. Just took the wind out of her sails that ten. We've been talking about rhythm a little bit, but that honestly just put her into a really bad juju for the rest of the heat. Yep, and that's, I mean, you know, these these split decisions can definitely make or break heats events. 
other impressive performers for you, Nick, in in the women's Carolyn Marks. She's gonna be hard to beat, right? She she's seventeen. Caroline Ocalupo, top to bottom, just hooking away to big scores. Yesterday was big and she was looking really solid on her feet. For 17, she's got to be looking at a couple of world titles. I think she'll be hard to beat this year. I honestly think she's going to go a really long way in that yellow Jeep Leaders jersey. And it doesn't look like she's feeling too much pressure. She's too much of a grom to feel any pressure. Yeah, it's uncanny that comparison between her and Oki off the bottom. Obviously, seeing Oki earlier in the event, it was kind of good to see him so close together to to see you know the comparisons in that bottom turn. Overall performers for for the women's, I think the correct surfer won that. Courtney's she had the the highest heat scores throughout the event. I think she probably deserved to go on and win win that. I mean, again, looking at the the women's leaderboard, Carolyn Marks. Same position as John John, a first and a third. Malia's in second, Courtney in third. A few of those bigger names you'd, you'd usually see up there. Carissa Moore in fourth, Steph in fifth, Lakey in sixth. That's super interesting. Yeah. The big three that you expect to be up there. You've seen the new guard come through in Definitely. women's surfing, which is super exciting. That's epic. Yeah. They've had such a stronghold at the top for so long. It's so sick to see the other girls get up there. Especially at such a young age. For, for Caroline to be number one in the world at such a young age. I thought in her first heat, she looked like she had the pressure of that yellow jersey a little bit. Kind of made her a little bit wobbly on those first couple of waves, but she grew into it. I think she's going to be a, a very strong force mm. when it comes to, you know, throughout the year, trying to carry that on to you know, hopefully a world title. The other thing to note is Carolyn Marks has earned the same amount in prize money this year as John John Florence. Wow. First full year of women receiving equal pay. Justified, even if they've got to surf against half the amount of women. What do you reckon? Oh, I want to see them go to Jobs and Pipe. They want equal pay. Let's put them in equal surf. Yeah, we obviously saw the women out on early Friday morning. There was some big performances from from the women out there i think when you put them in those positions they're gonna step up and perform mm, and exactly. shake that stereotype i think They've it's just a matter it. of the you know the wsl manning up almost yeah um you know making some big decisions and saying we've just got to do what we've got to do and everyone else is going to step up in in response to that i can't see the girls not stepping up every time they've had the opportunity they have we just need to give them more opportunity yeah, it's so one thing to give them equal pay. Let's give them equal opportunity to prove themselves, and we'll see where it goes from there. Definitely, but I think the other epic comparison was Caroline and Steph. They are the new Karen and Oki. Like somebody said yep. today, it's Gabby and John, but not really. When you're comparing apples for apples, the girls are the two that really sit close with those original style masters. Yeah, for sure, and. I think the, the women's is really interesting to watch from a, a ranking standpoint. You know, the top top eight or nine of them, you've, you've got Carolyn, Malia, Courtney, Carissa, Steph, Lakey, Sally. And then there's only space for three others. And then you've got the cutoff point. That's such a tight... It's, there's not it, much room it's for hard, error It's there. hard work being on the women's tour. It is. The, everyone is so much tighter, I feel like, than the men's tour. I feel like there's a, a really tight group of girls that are all almost on the same level i mean we talk about the changing of the guard lakey peterson's not that old she's she's still low 20s she's ripping feels like she's been around forever and a lot of these girls feel like they've been around forever but you know they're, they're just coming into their prime lakey's 24 she's younger than all of us <laughs> that's what i mean you feel like she's been on there for the last 15 years but i think in the last four years or five years, the women's surfing year on year has just gone to another realm, really. We talk about equal pay, equal rights, and everything like that, and I honestly think the women's surfing is just as good to watch than what the men's surfing is now. And I, I 100% love watching the girls' heats. They're always tight. They're always real scratchy and, you know, real hard battles. I think someone was saying today, Coco honestly has to get a four every time she loses. It's always that tight. Yeah, that's it. On the equal opportunity, do you think they should also open up the spots? I think so. To the top 34? 
for I, the win. I actually think it the kind of makes zero sense to have how many is it? Top twenty? Sixteen. Far out. I think That's it's the opposite. I think they pack. should I think they should compress the men's tour. Wow. Uh, I agree. Yeah. If you want to make it really cutthroat. I think that's a good way to do it. I think the whole formatting of um, of surfing needs to kind of be looked at. Uh, you look at other sports, and I know surfing is individual and a completely different sport to these other ones, but you look at sports like golf, tennis, where they have a whole world ranking and anyone can, depending on ranks and, and what events there are, anyone can win any event. But you've got your bigger events like your majors in golf that, that actually really go towards something. I hate to say it, but sorry, Bobby Martinez. Tennis is the perfect example. Get the men's tour a little bit shorter, a little bit smaller, more cutthroat. Like we've just talked about the top 10 guys the entire time. Those other guys would be awesome to see a big sort of trials event before the main event and keep that bottom 16 or those, you know, 16 spots to whoever's really surfing good on the day we look at mikey Wright last year how many wild cards he got and how much sort of spice that brought to the tour how much interest that generated well we they could try and create that nearly every event with 16 new guys to take down those top 16 make those top 16 really prove that they are the best guys in the world and really make them fight for that world title yeah i don't know if the depth in the women's is there yet sometimes yeah i think there's a really clear top 10 girls but I don't know how many 10 underneath that or 20 underneath that that can match it with your Carissa and your, your power of those Steph and all those sort of girls. Yeah, you'd start diluting the tour quite a bit. I think, like you said, Mikey's a good example of it. I think if you did have a way where there were more wild cards or you had to surf your way into a, a main event more often, your level of performance would go up a lot. You heard Mikey a lot of the time last year saying that he had nothing to lose, so you may as well go for it. This year, it looks like he's holding back a bit. Maybe he does have something to lose. Luke, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, definitely. He came out swinging last year and everyone was hyped, so hyped. He was throwing massive punts, huge hacks off crazy sections and it's exactly what everybody wants to watch. And then this year, he seems to be just trying to link a few safety turns together. You're expecting him to go big now and when it's not there, you're like, what is he doing? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, he, you know, Karamas will be a good test for him. Is he injured again? There was talk of it early in the event. That's um, They were talking about that for a pretty long time, about how maybe his back's flaring up or something. The rights do like to keep all their injuries mm. very, very on the down low. Mm. So that's something I'm sure you'll find out in, I don't know, five years' time. He, look, he looked soft at Winky. He yep. looked really soft in that heat. Mm. He didn't deserve to win that heat at all unfortunately for him and now he's got that little reputation to uphold too that judges want to see him go absolutely ballistic that's it so moving on a little bit two events in wsl trying out this new format where they've reformatted a few heats by having your seeding rounds and elimination rounds and whatnot what do you make of it so far luke yeah it's epic they've nailed it yep yeah you don't really know what it's going to be like until a couple of comps are done and dusted and made it way more exciting and you can bang through the whole comp a lot quicker. Getting rid of that fourth and fifth round, how it was formatted last year, where there's three guys, first guy goes to the quarters, the other two go to round five. Round I think five, it was, is yeah. that how it worked? Yeah, I, I think they made that change a bit earlier where they, they used to have a very extensive draw where they started off with the three-man heats no losers, but first went through to round mm. three. And then I think it was round four that they had three men, no losers round again. And then the winners went through to the quarters and then the losers went through to round five. Round one, the seeding round, I feel like that still lacks a bit of urgency. You're surfing for a second place a lot of the times. Looking at the heat totals here, I know the waves weren't really that great, but everything's around that, you know, guys are winning heats with 10-point totals, scraping into the second round with nine-point totals. It is a bit of a boring round to watch yep. at the moment without that urgency. But Nick and I were speaking about it this afternoon. It's like F1 qualifying round. Yep. Everybody gets a chance to test out what the waves are like, get their feet in the wax and find the right board for the wave, which I think is needed. It might be a little boring to watch if they're not going absolutely loony, but it's kind of needed. How do you think you'd go around that? 
as a surfer, I can see why they are probably a bit more friendly towards that that round one, especially with two guys getting through. The inefficiency I see is after two two entire days of surfing they had between the men's and the women's, they ran through both seeding rounds and they ran through the first elimination round and seven people had gone home in two days. I think that if their whole deal was to save time in the event, I think they should have been looking at... Um, I mean, it's easy to say start elimination from round one, but as a surfer, you don't want to rock up to an event, lose first round, and then have to go home. Like, it's it's pretty rough. Happens on the QS, though. Happens on the QS. Those, yeah, there's, the QS guys are the real heroes. <laughs> they are. The proper warriors. Yeah, 100%. I'd, I'd like to see more urgency and, and everything happen a little bit sooner. You talk, like, compared to a lot of other sporting events, and I know this has been said a lot, but surfing goes for a long time. And for especially if they're trying to market to a broader audience, you can't have, you know, these low urgency rounds. You need to see guys, you know, fighting for it. Even if you watch a sport like snowboard halfpipe, they get only a couple of rounds. Their first round might only be, you know, a bit of a warm up round, locking a decent score. But from then on, like it's if they fall, they fall. I think it's been important though that WSL finally explained why they're doing that round one with the seeding thing. I'm not yep. too sure if everyone's across that now or not. No. But do you want to explain it to us? From what I can gather from it, this actually means a lot to the surfers more than what it does to the viewers. So if you if you get a high heat score and you win, you're going to have a lot better draw going through the rest of the event. So it might be a little bit boring to watch, but to the surfers, they should be going loony. Like it does warrant surfers to go a lot harder early. I don't know if the waves have kind of allowed it in the first two events. It might happen a little bit later in the year. But I think... The WSL sort of did a poor job of explaining that early on to the viewers so people knew what was going on instead of just, like we were saying, thinking, oh, great, we've watched two rounds, almost two days' worth of competition, and I've got rid of four guys, and those four guys are standing on the beach thinking, I can't believe I flew all this way to get a 33rd. <laughs> I like how the dirty turds back in, though. you got to love it, don't you? Yeah. No yeah. one wants that number next to their name. No way. No way at all. I think it'll be interesting to see as the year goes on if guys become accustomed to how to surf that first round, if anybody becomes a specialist at, you know, jumping their seating up so they're getting a better round. It seems like a very complex thing that I think once all the viewers kind of wrap their head around a little bit more, it'll make more sense. But for these first couple of events, I think you do see a lot of that downtime and I think it'll just take a bit of time for everyone to get used to it. So... I think that'll be enough for part one, which is the Rip Curl Pro, Bells Beach. Move on to part two, which is just a bit of a, a QS roundup. So far in the QS, 22 events complete. Nat Young won today, or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Good to see him back. Yep. Riding CIs as well. Speaking of board changes, but he's back on CI after a little stint on DHD. Yep. So Nat Young obviously getting becoming the most recent winner current leader Jadson Andre obviously came out of the year in Australia absolutely firing super super consistent results taking out first in where did he take first in Newcastle in Newcastle and then we've got two seconds at he's got second at in Newcastle we might need to do some editing on this. I've completely forgotten about the QS since the Brazil. CT's been back on. Yeah, so he had first in the Oi Hang Loose Pro Contest, 6,000 points. And then second at Vin, uh, the Vistler Sydney Surf Pro and second at the Burton Automotive Pro in Newcastle. Currently leading 15,000 points and not really going to take much more to get him back on tour next year. All he has to do is the 10,000s at the end of the year in his sweet. He surfs so good in Manly. Yeah, it was, it was definitely good to see him, you know, kind of getting back to a bit of that form. You hear about him being a real likable guy on tour. He's obviously really passionate. Um, you can see what it meant to him to be getting those results. So uh, it sounds like a guy like that on tour is is one that a lot of guys appreciate. Who else is up there on the QE? You've got Matt Banting in second. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did pretty good. Yep. Matt Banting. He was being very consistent too. Very consistent. So he, he won one of the 1,000s, mm. um, had a, a good result in Sydney and Newcastle. He had a pair of third places. 
and then he had um, a second in the Central Coast Pro. So out of his four four logged results, he's got 10,350 points. So on his way, I'd love to see Matt Banting back on tour. I'm a big Matt Banting fan. I think part of the reason, just because he used to beat me and Nick so much in our, our comps back in, in the younger days. He absolutely peppered me in a state titles one year. He comboed me in about three seconds flat. It was yeah. embarrassing. He he was the guy. When we were younger, He, I think he went on a ridiculous streak from when he was like 13 to 16. He didn't he didn't not win a single event he entered. He came first for like three or four years straight. Absolute savage. Absolute savage at the age of 13. Yeah, he's had that profile for a while. And that year that he was on tour kind of didn't live up to it. But now I think he's fully grown. He understands the comp format and he's coming out of that injury looking stronger. Looking incredible. Yeah, doing a full Mick Fanning and coming out strong and hot. He's yep. going to be one to watch for the end of the year for sure. Yeah, third place we've got Alex Ribeiro, obviously one in Newcastle. Um, he's got a couple of little backup, backup results. Another Brazilian which we've seen you know, in and around the tour. Does the tour need him, Nick? Yeah, I think he serves pretty good. He's a little bit sleepy again. He's out. He's that mid-range of the tour. I always see him in that 15 to 20, sort of scratching through for qualification and, or having that one big result each year where you wish he just surfed like that the rest of the year. It will be interesting to see with this QS what happens when that first 10,000 rolls around. I mean, there's going to be a big shake-up. Those 1,000s are not going to mean much by the end of the year for Matty Banting and those sort of guys. I mean, it's a yep. great confidence boost for those guys. Yeah, and getting a seeding into a top 10, I just don't know if that's going to make much difference. I just hope someone like Matt Banting can carry that momentum. Conor O'Leary's another guy that I'm not too sure where he's sitting, but he, he deserves to be back on the tour. He's a weapon. Connor's currently sitting in 24th place, one below Reef Hazelwood. Another guy who's been on absolute fire this year, having a couple of good results. Is he going to be Mikey this year, do you reckon? Get a few wild cards, qualify that way, Luke? Possibly. He is surfing absolutely amazing. Throwing the biggest punts that you've seen in a long time in competition. Not scared to go for it. And stomps them clean. Clean as clean can be. Where has he gotten that? Is this coming out? absolutely cooking he he dead set he got dropped by billabong and then just he basically did that thing when a dude breaks up with his chick and she just goes in a full health bender becomes an absolute rig and then billabong's standing there just going we probably shouldn't have got rid of him <laughs> so rounding out the rest of your top 10 on on the qs you got jack robinson in fourth geordie lawler in fifth jorgen cousinet of france in sixth miguel tadella christian kimison Gatien Delahaye and Ryo Anaba of Japan in 10th place. So a few guys that have had some results so far. It's obviously early days and that'll develop a lot, but it's something I'm interested to track, especially the likes of guys like Reef Hazelwood, Jordan Lawler, who got the win in Sydney. Um, yeah, that was sick. And, and I mean, there's, there's plenty of other guys, not just to look at Australians. Carlos Munoz is uh, in 14th place at the moment, so I'd love to see that Afro on tour one day in the future. Why are you showing it off? Not according to his profile picture here. <laughs> <laughs> he can probably grow it in a day. He, yeah, he's super exciting. Hopefully he gets waves that allow him to do his thing. When is the 10,000 in Africa? The Bolito uh, Pro? The Bolito Pro is coming up in... It is the 1st to the 7th of July. So coming up before then the, the next event to kick off is in japan um 6000 and then there's a, a couple of 1000s the odd 3000 but yeah then the next real event of consequence is that 10000 so a few little events coming in before that which might shuffle the ranking up rankings up before we get to that but we'll definitely keep an eye on the on the qs before that so the qs roundup nick is there any anything you would like to say about nat young's recent win I didn't watch a single heat, <laughs> nor will I watch a single heat until the Bolito Pro. Okay. Good to see you tracking the big events. Okay, so moving on to part three, we've got a, a bit of an industry news roundup. First of all, I suppose the one we've already talked about, Reef Hazelwood getting picked up by Hurley. I suppose that's kind of what, you know, you see guys ripping 
with no sponsor he's finally that guy that you know picks someone up it's good to see if there was any better time to start ripping it was when he started ripping <laughs> yeah he had no sponsor and the way the industry is going i mean we were just talking about about matt banting and there's not many opportunities as Potts would say he capitalized on that opportunity and i think that's a great thing for him yeah absolutely you're seeing guys on tour go without a big sticker at the nose of their board and reef shows up blows up and hurley open their arms that's insane yeah when was the last time you saw a company just go yep that's our guy right now yeah look how many guys have lost their sponsor this year oakley has culled everyone jadson has about 45 stickers on his board there's no more space for any more sponsors. There's not. I mean, we talk about how many good Brazilians there are, but how many good Brazilians there are without a major sponsor is another topic to be talked about. Too many good guys now have got no sticker. Everyone always favours you know, the Australian or the, the US guy with no sticker, but so many good Brazilians are doing it on their own back, and that's pretty unbelievable. You've got to give it to them for, for determination. Yeah, that's that's it. And I mean, that's why you see him getting getting a lot of results and showing that hunger is a lot of the times they're, you know, coming from, you know, not much and, and spending their own money to get there. So I think it's one of those things. I, we're obviously not experts on the Brazilian surf market, but is there value for companies in supporting someone like, like Jadson? Absolutely. Brazil, middle class, growing, out of control. The industry in Australia has hit a ceiling. It's not going to grow anymore. And Brazil, that's a growth area. If you're a surf company, start flogging your bodies off to Brazil. Yeah. What are you doing? Well, I mean, we, we talked about it a bit earlier today. I reckon everybody needs to start moving into China. I mean, you've, you've got the Olympics coming up. They're looking to put a team in. They're training hard. There's obviously some other big markets out there. It'd be interesting to see where it goes with all that. But for a company to actually see value in paying a surfer to support themselves and another big contract that just came up, Jack Robinson moving to Vulcan, is there value in that? He's going to put out three skits clips a year. I can't see any more than that from him. I know he's pretty up there on the QS right now. I think that'll change as the year goes on just... He is the best backhand barrel rider around, really. I don't see many guys better at backhand tube riding, but as an all-round surfer, I don't really see him up there in the in the real talk. But I do see some vol- like value for Volcom in that, that pickup. I'm sure he's not on huge numbers, but I think he's going to make his worth. Volcom are a company that value video parts too, and it'll be interesting to see if this new chapter for Jack is a full complete mind reset for him it wasn't great for him at billabong so maybe it's new team new year new jack love to see him put out a few clips like um or a few full-length movies like creepy fingers or something like that how badass would that be do you think he should just go full free surfer and i think he should i don't think he suits the tour so much in his mentality but if he's the best backhand tube rider in the world why not just go do that can they pay him a hundred grand to park a van at Nalu for twelve months and just let him film for twelve months? That clip would be ridiculous. Yeah, I suppose if you're do you want to pay for the clip? Volcom can. <laughs> <laughs> the other major sticker news out there at the moment, um, Courtney Conlog no longer riding for Billabong. What's going on there, Luke? Sea Tiger baby. Rawr. <laughs> holy shit (laughs) yeah she's parted ways with the bong and wants to do her own thing sea tiger's her little vehicle for creativity and who knows where that's gonna lead hopefully it turns out better than the solo sally thing who knows 100 percent leading to another arm and breeze sticker on the beak of someone's board wow yeah maybe Uh, you see a lot of other i mean not a lot you see it from time to time other surfers kind of going out and doing their own thing, you know, in the, the corporate world of of surf. I feel like you need to be a juggernaut like Dane to be able to do it. Yeah. I, I You don't see former around that much, but I'm not really in, in that scene. Like you, you look at... It had a big impact when it first came on yeah. with the first two ranges and I don't know. I don't know if the surf industry backs brands like 
the skate industry does. The skate industry, skaters will back the guy that owns his own brand and yeah. just see it as a legit brand because it's owned by a rider. And do yeah. you see that with the surf industry? The Not surf- at all. Like, you, I think you see, I mean, out of known from, from Kelly. Like, Kelly's one of the most influential surfers of all time. I know his stuff isn't marketed to surfers. And once surfers saw that, they were just like, Pfft. I don't have time for that. But most of the things that Kelly started up, I mean, where did perps go? <laughs> what happened to perps? How much further can you keep slicing the pie of the surf market exactly. up though? I take my hat off to anyone going out there on their own and, and having a good go, but you need money. You need smart brains. And the way it's sort of locked up, especially in Australia, there's no more room for another surf brand. Guys with big money are struggling right now don't see anyone breaking the mold anytime soon. Vistler's having a crack at it, but Sea Tiger might struggle. I'd say maybe there is room in the girl market with girl surfers coming in strong. There's so many young girls down at every beach now. Maybe maybe there is room for a girl brand. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe that is the growth area. Especially especially once they open the women's tour to Nick's Nick's proposed thirty two women tour. More more women to sponsor. Yeah. Sea Tiger owning half of them. Who knows? Will the young girls, do they look up to the pros and are they buying product like guys used to? Like when you see a Kelly and Dane flogging board shorts that everybody wants to be in. Is there a girl equivalent to that? Lane Beachley specials. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, there's only so much influence you can use before it becomes... You know, one of those things where people look at you and be like, what, what now? Like, what are you trying to sell to me now? I just know how many people are wearing active wear. And that's big companies doing big money right there. Trying to break that mold is going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, Lululemon stepped in at the right time in the surf market, hitting Malia. That is a stroke of genius. 100%. So at the conclusion of, of Bells, the, the next event that we've got coming up, we've got, the Corona Bali Pro, Idlo's actually the defending champ, which I'd love to see him go back to back out there. Who do you see doing well there, Nick? I want to say Jules. Do you? He's had two seventeens. Surely he's due. He's only been due for five years, but surely he's due for this one. He's I think Idlo's been overlooked a little bit, even out bells in this event, but I think he's on an absolute tear. If he can find some consistency, he's going to be really hard to beat. There's only a few people that can beat him. Totally. And then the women are going to be there as well. Good to see you know, a, a good run of swell for, for that event. You've got Lakey defending that. Again, I think it would be hard to go past any of you know that top eight or nine that are, that are there at the moment for a win. It would wow. be great to see Malia get a win. Exactly. I'd love to see her leading the charge this year it seems like she's got the motivation her surfing's come up so she's reached that next level it'd be good to see her make a push for a title and and throw a name in the hat absolutely but peaky barrel waves at karamas I'd, I'd say carissa carissa that just suits her style yeah karate chop and waves left right and center she can pull in and get barreled yeah yeah hard to beat Carissa out at karamas 100 percent Nico, question for you. What would be your preheat Balinese warm-up snack? I'd probably have to just go the traditional nazi goreng. As greasy as can be. Egg on top? Of course. Is there any other way? I don't think so. Luke? Deep fried dog. Deep fried dog. <laughs> I was going to ask if uh, if you can see Slater going to Ubud to do some, some yoga before the event to loosen up and get a result. I hope so. Get into the meditative state and find that rhythm. Where's that wizardry gone? Bring it back. To coin my favorite term from this pod, I think we need to see Slater back as being the sea wizard. Yeah, he needs to be more sea wizard. But the one thing I just want to cap on is in the women's there. Carolyn Marks is on a tear, but has anyone seen her in backhand barrels where it's been really good backhand barrels? I still think that's one spot that the women need to sort of step it up, except for Sally, where they they still need that backhand barrel riding strength. Might be something to still work on a little bit. Yeah, I'd say they all do, even Sally. That's why we need to see him at Chopu and Pipe. Definitely. Let him get the opportunity and 
Let them rise. They tried that once before, though, and it didn't really work out. We'll see. Yep. Carnage makes for spectacular viewing. <laughs> That's true. We need another Friday afternoon, as we saw at the Rip Curl Pro Bells Beach. I think that should do us for this recap. Uh, thanks for listening to the Highland. Thank you, Nick. Gracias. Thank you very much, Luke. Obrigado. See you next time. Highland.